You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode 45. Episode 45 in the book, so... What have you been up to on uh, in the poker streets? <laughs> well, as you guys probably can tell from the time this is released, um, we're running a little bit late this week because I had uh, some kind of some work conflict kind of got me hung up, which made us, you know, we'll probably end up being about 12 hours late. If, not sure how many people are waiting at 7 a.m. for the release on Thursday, but it's tons. Seven... <laughs> Freaking tons. Same. I mean, it could be a riot, actually. We might need to contact the government. <laughs> yeah, I thought about putting something on our Instagram to let everyone know, but mm. got away from me. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be rough out there, these people. Well, I mean, I will say there are podcasts that I do, like, really depend on the day. Like, you know that uh, 500 to Midnight? If anybody's a big Vegas fan, that's a really good Vegas podcast. And it comes out Sunday. You know, it's in between the, those two 18-hour shifts I do. And I kind of look forward to getting up, uh, you know, putting in an earbud and hearing it. And every now and then when they're off their deal, I will say, it is kind of annoying. I mean, it, life happens, but you do kind of get to look forward to some of these. Yep, so everyone who's looking forward to it are bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but last time you guys heard, we were actually going to the Texas Card House tournament, right? Right, the uh, Texas Card House in uh, over there in Spring, uh, and actually we had uh, somebody from work who ended up in who ended up being interested, hearing me and hearing me and you talk about talk about poker so much and get, getting interested in, and actually went and played with us, and it was his first time, so that was really good. Oh, that was the second time. Second, yeah. So that was which was pretty crazy. It so it really goes to show the variance in tournaments. Because me and you, how'd you do on your uh, on that tournament? So when we showed up, what level was it about? I don't know. It was about an hour in, I think. I don't know. I felt pretty short stacked, and I added on immediately when I sat down at the table. And I mean, I just well, I'll tell you a story at the table, but I did not do that great. I have a story after you tell me how you did, because. What happens to you happens before the story I was going to tell. So okay, so I sit down at the table, and it's this is a very fun, like this Texas Card House tournament. If you are looking for just a good time, you know, not a lot of super advanced play or anything like that, and pretty cheap for a good amount of chips. It's a really good tournament, but we get there an hour late, so we get there, and it's not short stack per se. It's probably about like twenty five blinds or something. Nothing crazy. I get pocket queens my second hand in. Like, second or third hand in. Uh, and, the, you know, these the players are just kind of going wild and everything. So it goes, I raise, well, no, it goes a raise, a re-raise, an all-in. Another guy, or uh, I don't know if it was all-in. It was gigantic re-raise. The guy to my left, not, not his turn to act, Goes and does a re-raise on top of it. And they're like, oh it's, oh, it's not my turn. And I was like, so I just go ahead and shove all in. I'm like, I'm not folding pocket queens in a cheap free roll tournament. It's just not, not happening. 
Uh, so I get it all in against three people. I mean, you got to think I am just like someone's got to have kings or aces or ace king. I'm gonna get against pocket tens, ace queen, and I forget. I think the other guy had two unders. I don't even know what he had. Uh, and sure enough, the only guy who has me covered has pocket tens and flops a set of tens. So two to three hands into there. I'm screaming out to you and G- you and uh the other guy, and that I'm rebuying. So I was like, "That's about how my tournament went." <laughs> yeah, because I remember that hand happened so quick because you sat down right away, and I was still wandering around looking for my table and seat and everything. And before I even sat down and got my starting stack, you were rebuying. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, and from there, I actually built up a pretty good stack. Came back from break, and there was this guy who was just going kind of crazy. He was many times going, uh, uh, betting, call, getting called down with nothing and all that. And we get into kind of an interesting hand. I flop top pair, and I call him all the way down, but it was a it was a all all spade board, and he flopped a flush. So it was one of those things where I thought he could like have the single ace of spades. I honestly thought he could have anything. So ended up making that call all the way down, and that's where I got crushed in the tournament. Okay, well, before we get into cash, I'll tell you what happened to me at the tournament. So I'm playing at the tournament, and everything's going, I mean, mediocre. I mean, just not really getting that much going, not really getting that many cards. And then that guy ended up at your table at cash. But so I had a player to my left, like pretty far. I was in the nine seat and he was like in the two seats. It was pretty far away from me. But um so everything's going fine. He's in he's under the gun and he tries to raise, but it was like um twelve hundred and he put out like fourteen or fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. And then he could not figure out so the deal's like, no, you have to make it double the big blind at least. And he was getting all upset. Like, why do I have to make it double the big blind? And they're like, because you have to make it double the bet. It's like, I don't understand. I don't get it. And, I mean, I'm sitting here with just, like, less than 10 blinds. Like, you're killing me here. And he's like, why? I don't get it. You still have to, like, you can't bet that much. You still have to double the big blind. I need the floor. I don't understand this. What's going on? All this stuff. I'm like, is this guy serious? Like, I mean... At that point, I really just wanted to just surrender my chips and walk away. So, I mean, I was very, very much done. I already knew I was not rebuying on this tournament or anything like that. Um, so we go through this whole charade, and then he finally figures out that he you have to double the big blind. I mean, you know, takes eight minutes. I mean, which I think I've seen that guy there, but I have not played at Texas Card House that many times. But I think I've seen that guy. Like, it's one thing... Well, one, even if you're a new player, if you're a new player and the dealer says something, you don't need to call the floor. You just need to do what the dealer says. You don't you don't have the knowledge to argue the dealer who does this as a full-time job. And if you do know, then these concepts are ridiculously easy. I don't, I really, th- this guy, it, we're not picking on new players on this because I think this guy's going to come into uh, a little bit later. Uh, but this is just someone who seems to be wanting to be argumentative, it seems like. Seems like it. And then, so that hand happens, I'm just like, whatever. So now I'm down to even less blinds, because the blinds have now raised. 
And then another hand happens where it's like a four-way all-in. That guy goes all-in. Um, and the dealer's trying to make all the side pots correct. So I'm, I normally watch him do it because I've dealt before. I'm not saying I'm awesome, but I you know, at least know kind of what's going on. Right, I've dealt for a few years, just in, like, charity tournaments and stuff. Right. So I'm just watching just to make sure everything goes in the right spot, you know. But you know what doesn't help? Whenever you're sitting there making sure all the pot's right and someone's yelling to you to make sure you get it right. Do it right. Don't mess this up. Like, I mean, why are you, I mean, so that player's now yelling at the dealer while he's trying to get the pot's right. Which, like, again, if you don't know standard rules, then you don't need to worry about it. I mean, that that's so weird to me that you would not understand something so simple as far as you have to double the big blind for a raise, yet now you're worried about the dealer doing the math in the pot. So, and then after, so then he actually wins. He has pocket deuces and flops a set. Of course. Right? And um, and then he gets the chips that he Right, whatever he was got from all the side pods, and then he wants to argue that it's not the right amount. He should have more chips. So now this is a whole another big ordeal of why he doesn't have quadruple his amount because the players who called had less. Right, I mean they bust and had to rebuy. That's why you would not end up with a full four x or whatever three x he was expecting. This this player just defines why like. People are like, well, you shouldn't do headphones at the table or whatever because it's a social game. I do find it more fun when everybody's being social. But this is the reason I bring headphones is some people you just don't be social with. No, it's not even that, right? The, the not being social is one thing. But he's slowing the game down to almost a complete standstill. Yeah. Which is it's... not the worst in cash. It's not great when you're paying time. But in a tournament, I mean, luckily it's a free tournament. But if this was a higher stake tournament where, I mean, it wasn't a $20 tournament. I'm not saying it's nothing, but on the scale of tournaments, it's not that big. Um, well, but on these small tournaments, like, like on these bigger tournaments, a lot of times it's like 30-minute blinds or whatever. On these smaller tournaments, yeah, the money's not as big, but it's, like, it's. I think it's only 15-minute blinds. I believe so. Yeah, so I mean, you're really. I mean, it might even be lower. I don't. I don't know. But so I mean, it's really taking a big. I mean, if he does this for ten minutes, that's an entire level you missed out on. Exactly, and whenever you're already, I mean, I came in, I was not deep stack at all. So, I mean, I, don't, I was not having a great time. Um, I ended up getting it all in with suited ten nine on a ten high flop, turned a flush draw, went all in. Um. Oh, sorry, it was king 10, not not 10 high. It was second pair. He just had king deuce offsuit, brick the river. So Yeah. I mean, it was like for eight blinds or something. So yeah, I don't a... know, but it was one of those ones where I was just ready to go. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I can definitely see that one. It's a... God, okay, since we're already on this one player on this tournament. So I bust out of the tournament, and I go and play cash late, uh, a little bit later. And they get into this pretty big turn, this big pot. It's uh, it's him and this one like, uh, this one Asian girl. Well, they get into it, and he goes all in on the river. It's a pot limit Omaha hand. So she's kind of tanking and tanking a little bit. Well, she kind of flips her cards up. There's this lady standing behind her. Does not look like a professional poker player at all. I mean, I'm pretty certain she doesn't speak English. I'm, I'm pretty certain she just came and has no idea what's going on. 
So he starts throwing a fit about someone being behind her and giving her advice. She hasn't spoken at all. I mean, like, literally, I'm right there next to her, not saying anything. So he goes, he keeps wanting the floor called, wants all this, and they're like, well, just stand there. I mean, and they're like, well, if you stand there and you say nothing, it's it's fine. It's a, I mean, it was obviously just because he was annoyed at the situation of getting all in. And uh, so she ends up making a call, hits a flush on the, hits the nut flush on the river and stacks. And he, of course, throwing a fit. He's like, I don't need anybody, you know, behind me telling me what to do, which obviously he does if he doesn't know how to do a raise. <laughs> uh, shock this does, guy does cash at this point if he can't figure out, you know, big blinds and crap. Oh, I mean, I wanted to move your table. I mean, very annoying in the tournament, but he had a lot of money in the cash. Oh, yeah. It was a great table. And I mean, like we said, this player did not seem like a new player. I mean, a lot of people there knew his name and were talking to him. So it's not like it was his first time there. I'm pretty sure I've seen him before, too. I'm pretty certain. I don't go there that often. So if I recognize somebody, it's, they're probably there every day. Because, I mean, you know, it's be weird for them just to be there the, the three times that I've been there. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's not like we're, like like you said earlier, not picking on a new player. Just picking on... I guess would you call it just like not an ass? A, not yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we want to say we're just picking on ass, but I mean, yeah, I mean maybe like a just I don't know, maybe a miserable rag. I don't know, but yeah, it's a. But talk about making the tournament just no fun at all. I mean, yeah. just killing the vibe at the table. Oh, but no, like the story doesn't end here with it with this guy. So this uh I. I this girl ends up moving and I end up like I don't know they're doing a lot of shuffling of the tables there. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> so I end up I end up right next to this girl again and we're kind of talking or whatever and I'm then the guy next to me is a really cool guy just kind of you know having a good time and you know it, it, he's hitting a lot a lot of hands and we're just kind of having a good time. It's a uh, well this she gets in another big pot. Well they expose their hands, they table their hands, and she says something to the dealer, and the guy starts telling her she can't talk and all this, and she gets very upset. He gets knocked out. She gets very upset. I mean, she's like, I think I could, I thought I could talk and all that. Well, it's, everybody's like, people are assholes, don't worry about it and everything. So this goes about ten minutes, and the guy's like, I was gonna sit over there, and he's like, no. He's like, she's like, where are you gonna sit? And he's like, no, only assholes sit in that chair. Well, Guess who shows up and sits in that chair? <laughs> the ass from the other table ends up following us to that table and sits right there to her left. I was like, this is too perfect. This guy to my right, he's on fire. <laughs> wow. I mean, I guess I was already gone when that happened, right? I, think uh, so. I don't know. It's a... Yeah, I know I, guess... I was at that table when you were still there, but I don't know if you had were gone when that guy got there or not. Yeah, and like you said, there was just a ton of shuffling. But here's something I need someone to explain to me, which I just, I can't wrap my head around it. So maybe you could explain it to me, but I can't understand it right now at least. Or anyone could explain it to me. It would be great. Shoot me a message on Instagram on the Tech Twinkle Podcast. But um, so we go to play, I go to play cash, right? Uh-huh. They have a must-move table, which is full. Okay. I'm next on the list. They call me. They say, hey, you're up next. You're going to take this guy's seat. And I said, okay, we're going to move him to this table. Okay, fine. 
So I'm standing there behind him. Then the guy doesn't want to get up until after the button, which is like three or four hands later. So very awkward time to be standing there at the table. To my right, another player busts at the other table. Two open seats, dealers yelling open seats. Players at the must-move table don't want to move. There's me and another person now over there. I asked the guys, I mean, can I just go sit at the other table where there's two open seats if these guys want to play here? Like, no, you have to start off at the must-move table. We're going to take them and move them over there. And I, what I think was happening is they were moving all the deep stacks to different tables. That's what one of the other players was saying. Because everyone he lost to, they moved. Because I guess he was down a ton in the game. And then he's like, I'm never getting my money back. But talk about annoyed. Whenever like I couldn't go to that table, they wouldn't let me move to that table. And then every time I tried asking a question or asking anything about it, they would just avoid eye contact and walk away. Yeah, I was really... But, I mean, I just don't understand the must-move if there's... I mean, you have a ton of tables going, right? You have open seats. You have players wanting to sit in the open seats. It just doesn't make sense to me why you would need a must-move when you have four tables or five tables going. Well, I don't understand the must-move as far as... Like, okay, like, I... Like, I'm going to narrow it down. Like, okay, like, say, like, I kind of understand, like, Paramount. Because they have, like, two or three tables going, but one table's been going for two hours longer than the other tables. Well, the average stack on that table, a lot of times, is like seven, $800. And the other two, the average stack might be just $200. Right. Uh, so I can understand, like, a lot of people, like, I mean, you can't have someone just sign into the game, go into the one that's, you know, seven to $800 stack when all these other players have been playing for a while. Like, I understand that. Now, but that being said, once the other players don't want to move, it seems very easy just to put any player on that table. I mean, I I don't have anything to opinion on. I don't understand why. It doesn't make sense to me, but maybe someone can clarify it for me. Because I just I didn't understand if you have four tables going, why one has to be a must move when you're in no fear of I mean, all the tables are full except for these two open seats. Well, I mean, and as much as they're shuffling, because me and you, I mean, like when I go like with you or, you know, some other friends who play poker or whatever, a lot of times, you know, it's to play poker and just to chill and relax and spend time, you know, chilling. Well, you can only do that if you're at the same table. So someone bust out on your table, and your table was by far shittier than my table, too. I asked to go to your table, and they're like, no, no one can come over here. Someone's got to come from there, but we'll get you in a minute. Well, then they moved me to another table, I, I don't know. I I was not really pleased with... I, I don't know why you need to shift people literally every 45 minutes to other tables. I did not get that at all. I mean, especially if... Well, not especially, but it's... I could definitely see how the players who were losing were getting upset because the people they were losing to were then being moved to another table or they were moved to another table. Yeah, I've never seen anything... I've never seen anything like that. I mean, I've, I've played lots of places. I mean... Vegas, Louisiana, everywhere. I've never seen where you just have to shift people to that degree. Like, I understand you've got to even the tables out, and you can't, like, have one table with nine players while this table goes down to six. And I understand that. That's completely understandable. But this was over and above beyond that. Well, and you have full tables with a list. Yeah. 
I don't know. It seems like maybe when the list dies down and you run the risk of games breaking having a must move. Yeah, I mean, I do understand like having the main game and all that, but it's uh, yeah, there were a lot of things that I just did not really that I was just not really getting there. And I mean, I like Texas Cardhouse a lot. Big fan of how they do uh how they do do things. I think it's a a nice establishment and all that, but I however they're sh- however they were shuffling the tables, I was not a big fan of. I mean, I still stand by that the the Texas Cardhouse in Austin does it the best that I've seen with um I mean just I've only been there like two or three times but every time how they have the cards to go sit at the table all that how you can't move around everything that that to me is still the best experience I've had oh the lodge is the same way Lo- right. lodge is to me by far the and I've never been to Texas card house Austin and I don't think you've ever been to the lodge True. So it's a, but I mean, it there sounds like a lot of similarities, and I'm very, very happy with how they run things over there. When I've been, it's been a while since I've been there, but it's again, there's a lot of little things. The only thing I didn't really care for is at the lodge. I don't know if this has changed, but the drinks and snacks they're just in a machine, and I kind of like having you know the service of like you know a diet coke on ice and having somebody be able to get it and you know stuff like that and like actual food available yeah i mean talk about a place i need to go to but yeah (laughs) i mean one of the meccas of poker and i haven't haven't even swung by we really yeah we really have to do an austin trip and you know well i've never been texas cardhouse austin go there go to the lodge and i think there's another pretty big one over there too i don't remember what it is um and that were like the shuffle Maybe Shuffle 512? Shuffle 512 is there. Or 52, I guess. Uh, One of those. Yeah, Yeah. Shuffle something. Uh, uh, But what's interesting about the Austin one, uh, Texas Cardhouse Austin, is it's a 1-2 game. It's like their bread and butter game. Yeah, at the Lodge. They have the 1-3 match the stack, and then 1-2 regular game, which... I, I guess I mean I will say like at first I thought that was weird that it was di- that it was different, but then I sat down over there and they play so differently and have such different stack size that I kind of understand it now. Well, I mean, if you want to hear the one two game is, I got over a thousand dollars in pre flop with Ace King versus Pocket Tens. Oh my God. Thank God the ace came. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I definitely need to go take a gander over there. <laughs> you know, you don't want to hear whenever you go all in for over a thousand with ace king that someone else folded ace king. Oh God! Did you somebody <laughs> say that? Yeah, he's like, is ace king a call there? I was like, you're really gonna hate what I did with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, but yeah, it was a uh. Well, okay, like, we, we went into some of the Texas card house stuff. How'd you end up doing on that session? Oh, they're going to see the tournament. I was, like, busting out for a break. Um, but the tournament, or the cash, I ended up playing cash for a bit. I had a river bluff that went sideways where I bluffed, I tried to bluff a guy, which I already know him, play with him a bunch. I know he's going to call light, always calls. That's how you get value from I mean, it's a player you want to just value bet. For some reason, I thought I'd try check-raise bluffing him on the river. 
And then I also didn't even bet the right size. I bet way too small. He just snap called just like second pair. It's great. Um, so that was a bummer. Uh, and then the hand of note was I was in the big blind in a PLO hand. I had pocket sevens, but I had like seven, five, three or something, some junk hand, but I got to see the flop for free, which was nice. Um, the top board, oh, it was a double board bomb, but that's why I got to see it for free. That's right. Okay. Uh, the top board was seven, eight, eight. And the other board, I had a gut shot to a six. Um, one of the guys bets, gets called, I pot it, he repots it. I'm already pretty short stacked, so it's more than half my stack on the original pot. I call, he flopped quads, board runs out, I brick the six, he shows quads, I'm about to muck, I show my sevens to show how unlucky I am. The dealer then says, oh, I see a set on the top board. And I was like, no, it was a boat. And he's like, that's the bottom board. And I was like, huh? <laughs> I was looking for the six. I didn't even realize I rivered a seven. Oh God! Talk about looking like a chump too. I mean, I don't even know that I have a set. I mean, oh yeah, I'm just already so distraught over the quad to my boat. It's amazing how when you're looking for something, even as an experienced poker player, that you kind of zone everything else out. Because that's what happened to me on the Dusa. On the whatchamacallit, on that one at Legends where I misread my hand with a straight flush. I was looking, looking. I was like, board don't pair, board don't pair, board don't pair. And then saw that. And, you know, once it gets set in your mind, you just, I mean, you shouldn't. But, man, sometimes you just completely overlook the obvious. Right. So, I mean, that hand was, I mean, it was nice to get half the money back. Or, you know, um... I played a few more hands. I had one where I had the, the nuts on one board and a set on the other. He boated on one and then flushed out on the other. Oh, God. To scoop, yeah, that for a gigantic pot. These double board bomb pots, I mean, you want to talk about bomb is just the perfect, perfect term for this. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, he called once he hit, I think he... I think he had trips or something. I don't remember what he had. I remember thinking it was a pretty light call, and so did he, but the river bet was so small versus the pot. He just called because I potted the – I went all in on the turn, but it was so small because I'd already potted the flop with the nuts. Okay. He just called and then just hit a horrid gut shot. Or not a gut shot. Uh, flush. He hit like a – what was it? must have been a straight. I think he hit a gutter to a straight on my set board and then flushed out on the other board. Oh, okay. I mean, either way, he was like, I had to call. It was so, so, so a little amount. I was like, I mean, it's yeah. fine. I mean, I'm not complaining about that. I'm complaining yeah, I mean, that the cards came in my head. You know, I'm not. Of course, you're calling for $100 into, you know, yeah, 800 or just, something. Yeah, the odds are too good. I mean, you're just never folding. And I mean, yeah. he had a good hand, but mine was better. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so it was fine. I mean, I lost, but, and here's the, and as you know, we talk about this a lot on the podcast is one of my problem leaks in my game is whenever I get short sacked, I just look to ship it and go home. I'm like, either I'm going to double this 200 bucks up or 150 bucks, or I'm just going to go home. Yeah, I definitely, 
Well, I think because, like, this happened when, and I think this happened so, I mean, it really, in all honesty, we, we talked about this before this ever happened to you on Jamin's vlogs. Like, mm -hmm. once he started playing 2-5 and 5-10 and games like that, you just saw whenever he was playing 1-2 or 1-3, I mean, he it seemed like he was just throwing away money. Uh, and I think because you, you know, when you're used to sitting there with 1,000, 1,500 in front of you, like, 150, 200 is still a lot of money. I mean, especially at our hourly rate now. <laughs> <laughs> you have to work all day long. All day long. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is what you're talking about. So, I mean, yeah, it's, but I think because the way you see it, it's just not that much. So, it's looking to push or go, which I think, I do think there is a time for that, but I don't think a 150 to 200 uh, is that time. I mean, you still have over 50. I mean, you have 50 to 65 big blinds. Yeah, but it's just, I don't know. I just, I mean, by all means, though, I got to like 200 bucks and I was like, bye. And I just left and cashed it out. I really, that that's fixing a leak that I think really helps. So, I mean, you know, rather than just, you know, doing something stupid with a $200, cashing it out, I was really glad to hear you do that because I think that's really plugging a pretty decent sized leak in your game. Well, I mean, I I hope not to be there, but when you are, it's a leak. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, other than that, I mean, cash game, played bomb pots, bad things happen to me. It's the nature of bomb pots. It's going to happen, right? High variance. Um, that river bluff, I wish I could have got back. I lost, like, 200 bucks on my 500 starting stack. Um, but, yeah, I, mean, I was at not yeah. great. Uh, <laughs> in for a lot, out for a little. Speaking of leaks in your game. Uh, this is gonna. So I end up getting pocket aces at the while you're up, while you're still there, and oh, I, leaks in your game. I thought you were talking yeah. about my specific game. I was no, like, I, was trying, oh, I was trying to segue <laughs> from leaks from leaks to what's happening here. I, was like, I hope this. I mean, it probably is a leak for me, but I mean, definitely it's don't a, sell me on that. <laughs> yeah, it's a. I get pocket aces. Uh, I raise it. It's a multi-way flop. I think it's probably three. I don't. Re I honestly don't remember if I ended up three betting or raising big over a bunch of the deals, but I raised it pretty good, and I think it goes three to four ways of a flop of eight, nine, ten. I know this is horrible for aces. I check it. I do check it. How many people saw the flop? I think you know what. I'm trying to look back and think. I think it was either three, including me, or four. I thought it was four because I remember I thought you raised gigantic or you three bet and everybody called. That sounds like something that would happen here. Say, because so. that's what I remember you telling me. And I'm pretty sure this is the hand. So it's a. Uh... So I end up checking, which I think is a good move on this board. And it goes around in the last position bets. I think I have to call here. Uh, this could be Jack-10 suited. It could be, well, not much other. Everything else actually has me beat here. 7-8. 8-9-2. Eight. Eight, yeah, could be 7-8. I, mean, I think this would be eight. a stretch for 7-8, but could be. I'm definitely betting 7-8 there if I have 7-8. Uh, okay, well, then I call. Well, I do make the call with the aces, the other one or two fold. Mm -hmm. uh, the, it, turns, it turns like a nothing card. 
I check. He bets again. And I think this is where I have to let it go. Oh, you text me this This was a gigantic bet, right? Wasn't that the thing? This was a pretty big bet, yes. Yeah. I end up making the call. Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing is, I'm, shit, should you really just fold aces on this flop? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> With aces, what's the plan? Check fold. Yeah, I mean, because here's the thing is, like, let's say, okay, 8, 9, 10, uh, 8, 9 has you beat, 9, 10 has you beat, 8, 10 has you beat, uh, Queen, Jack has you beat. I mean, if you're, if you're Six, betting, seven, if you're calling yeah. this on Jack, 10, then, I mean, that is very slim. It is one hand out of, like, seven that we've, we've mentioned, maybe six. But it's, and then your odds against it, not great. I mean, yeah, you're, what, like a, you're probably like 50-50, actually. When you start looking at all the uh, open-ended, any jack would make two pair, any ten would make trips. You're, uh, this, this actually should probably just be a, a check, a, does it just be a check fold? Here's the thing. I think whenever it's so multi-way, I don't know. It seems so weak to be on here telling people to check fold aces. But, I mean, if it's heads up, I'm never folding right there like that. I mean, I, are you, I mean, if you are calling the flop bet, I guess you're praying it goes check-check on the turn. Yeah, I mean, talk about a good time for a poker coach or, you know, a real... Uh, expert to break this one down because that is kind of a tough spot. I mean, because you know almost everything that's calling or, or everything that's betting has aces beat, right? Or the equity is very close. Right. Or let's say even like, I mean, your best scenario might be king 10, queen 10, maybe. It's, I don't know. I mean, like, but here's the thing is, let's say it's, you're looking at jack 10, and top pair with gutter, or or top pair open ended, or queen ten top pair gutter. I mean, you, you definitely should not be stacking off with aces here, which I did. But <laughs> spoiler, yeah. yeah, spoiler alert, I did. But really, if you're not, I mean, if you're just going the turn bet, if you're not going to call the turn bet, because if I bet jack ten here, I'm firing that turn a hundred percent of the time. And if that's one of the very few hands that you're hoping for, a uh, queen ten, uh, queen ten, I might have a little too much showdown value. I guess I might check that the turn, but so what happened? Go ahead. Oh, he bets turn, and then on the river, it's one of those where I just I uh, kind of got very I kind of let myself get really bad stacked pot ratio, and just ended up calling it because it was ended up being like 180 to win like six and i mean i'm like well maybe jack 10 and I thought maybe like... turned in top pair to a bluff or something it, it was a competent player so i was like he could have a bluff here maybe and what did he have uh christ what did he have i remember it had me beat uh i think it, <laughs> i think you flopped two pair or something yeah i thought you said nine ten but yeah, that sounds right. Uh, so really played aces in a really crappy way there. And then this same player I get into a hand with, I raise it up with King Jack. 
it goes ridiculously multi-way. Uh, it's a queen-high flop. I check it, and I'm just going to check give up on this flop. Uh, it does check around, and I turn a 10. I just go ahead and check it. And it goes around, and that, play, that same player bets. Well, now I'm open-ended. I'm not folding here. I call. The, uh, the river makes a backdoor flush draw. It brings in brings in a flush for a backdoor flush draw. Uh, I'm sitting here with king high. It doesn't seem like he's that strong. I end up betting like 150 into a pot of like maybe 170. And he tanks for a long time. And then ends up making a call. Uh, and he shows queen with kind of a crappy kicker. Which is probably a good call because my line is kind of just all over the place on this hand. So tough multi-way, right, to keep a good line like that? It really is. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm just representing the backdoor flush draw and maybe pocket tens. It's a good way to get looked up. Yeah, I mean, it really... It was one of those where it was just king high. and I mean, he had the perfect hand where it was a hand where it kind of put him in a tough spot. But, like I say, with a line that made no sense, I probably should just check give up on that river. Yeah, I mean, I always appreciate the heart, though, going for it on the river when you only have king high. Yeah, I mean, if I check-raise the turn, i probably take it down. Yeah. I mean, because at that point, I could check a queen-ten kicker there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it seems, it seems like I'd have, at least the line makes a little more sense. Yeah, I mean, like you always said, it's very hard to represent those backdoor flushes, and so. Yeah, it was really a last gasp of King King High. I mean, and he did tank a long time, so I I guess it's one of those. If he ends up folding, it looks brilliant. But when he calls, you look like a don you look like the donkey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how did that session end up going? Uh, not great, not great at all, Tyler. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> when my, my only two hands are getting aces cracked and pulling off a shitty bluff that didn't work, guess what that adds up to? Not a great session. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, it was. Uh, I let me Seriously. see. I can. I can. T I can give you something more exact. I got Sorry. it recorded. You didn't, you didn't turn it around. Huh? Uh, I was negative five fifty for that session. Yeah. So it was. Sorry. Uh. I think a combination of combination of not playing the best and kind of running bad. It was and then a your phone was dead, and I know how that can be affected. I mean, especially I mean, when your card dead and people are being annoying at the table. Sometimes having a phone that's dead is I don't know. It can be just so detrimental. Yeah, it was. Uh, I was kind of annoyed with that. It's a. Uh, yeah, well, so, yeah, well, it's not the best session, just period, for me. Uh, it was one of those that just a lot of things did not really go right. But yeah, overall, it was, I mean, I enjoyed the Texas Card House. It was just one of those where it was not going not going great. Right. So, yeah, it doesn't matter where you are. If it's not going great, you're not going to have a a good time. Um, Like, probably do one more. Yep. Yeah, so you probably can finish out your session or your next one. Okay. Okay. Uh, there's a little kind of a home game, 1-1 I go to. Uh, 
that was I did the Texas Card House last Tuesday. I did the the one one game, and just the exact opposite of Texas Card House. I mean, I don't, did not really record a ton of hands, but it was one of those where I was just kind of hitting everything. It was a one one, so that kind of that kind of sucks to you know be hitting it at that, but ended up going in for one hundred uh, in for one hundred out for five ten. I mean, I was just God. flopping boats, flopping... Yeah, it's one of those where, I mean, you just really... I just didn't miss the entire session. God, man. All, I mean, I know you're not supposed to think like this. I know you're not. But I have such a hard time when I hear that after those... You've been getting crushed with coolers um, and just over the long, over a long period of time. And then you run so hot at the 1-1 game. Oh, I mean, we already mentioned it last podcast when I ran horrible at the one-one game, and then at Prime ran, you know, good for a profit of eight hundred dollars. I mean, it's almost impossible not to think that way. Because I know Rampage talked about that, how he ran so good at the meetup one-three, but then ran awful at. I mean, talk about a dude who plays the highest stakes. I don't even can't even put a ballpark in whatever stakes he was playing, how high, but running bad in the highest of games. I mean, I really have a lot. I mean, as vlogs have become more and more popular, I tell you the three that really get my vote as far as I'm just really happy with how they do it is Rampage, Next Gen, and who is the other one? Uh, ben Deach. And I mean, the because here's the thing, is those, I honestly believe they record, they basically say how they're doing the entire time. Because Rampage, if he's editing to make himself look good, goddamn, I, I don't know what he's... I mean, there's no way he'd still be in poker. Uh, but, like, because, I mean, we've gone through a ton of vlogs where it's 9 out of 10 winning sessions, which just, I mean, you can have a stretch like that, but not on average. You're saying you appreciate the honesty of those three podcasts. Yeah, the honesty of those, uh, of those vlogs, the... Uh, because I mean, next gen seems to be very honest in how they uh, they do it. And Ben Deach now, Ben Deach, well, every hand he loses seems to run through it with no graphics or anything, and then spends like five to ten minutes on the ones that he does win. But that's fine. At least he's being honest about the results. I mean, and I'm not saying the other vloggers aren't. I'm just saying I'm very suspicious of a lot of vlogs that are that ninety ninety of five percent win rate. <laughs> I mean, there's a few things with that. Um... One, if I'm Ben Deach, I'm doing the same thing. I mean, I currently am doing the same thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, that's what I was say. I just skimmed over a whole bunch of hands I lost. But um, I do understand though how if you're, I like I, I do appreciate the the honesty of the vlogs too. But from other vloggers' point of view, who always win, I can definitely see the temptation as doing some video editing myself. How it's going to take an enormous amount of time. And if you post a session where you don't play well, I'm sure they're not erasing it from their trackers. I mean, it doesn't make you look good to go and play bad, right? And it's probably not that fun to sit there and spend, I mean, many, many hours editing a video of you playing bad. And then, you know, you're just going to get torn apart in the comments. You're going to, people are going to be like, what are you doing, right? Oh, yeah. No, 100%. I get the temptation. But, I mean, like... It makes it unrealistic. Guess, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're... Then I would like it posed as that. Because, I mean... Mariano at least says that he has big losing sessions off 
the vlogs. Yeah, Mariano does. Well, and he's actually made some jokes on like on like winning sessions. He's like, oh, well, if that didn't turn around, I just would have had to delete that. I mean, <laughs> so I appreciate the honesty on there. It's a, uh, but yeah, I kind of, I don't know. I mean, I like if it's gonna be biographical and kind of like journalistic, then I kind of want the entire story. I don't want just the the peaks of the story, like. Because towards the beginning of the vlogs, you saw a ton of losing sessions. It seems like are kind of downswings. Like, Andrew Neeby had a god-awful one. Johnny Vibes, I think, was almost in tears on his vlog at one point. Now, you never see that. Um, here's a question for you, though. Are they claiming they're showing... I mean, I could I... definitely see just showing the highlights. If you're... They're not claiming that they're showing all the, all the uh, sessions. They're just... That's fair. Like, yeah. we talk about every session that we play. They just say, I vlogged this session at this place. They're not claiming that it's that they're showing you every session because they're claiming they're not. Yeah, well, that's fair. I mean, like, Jamin will say, like, like he doesn't vlog. Every, well, I, don't, I think they all say they don't vlog every session because it just takes a lot of a lot into it. Mariano and all of them. Uh I don't know. I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess that's fair if they're not if they're not making that claim 100%. But I don't know. As a viewer, I like I enjoy the realism of at least you don't have to do every session, but I enjoy the mix, like the realism of both the winning and the losing. And I mean, here's the other thing. I mean, I'm sure they get sucked out on horribly. You can show us sessions that you get sucked out on horribly. I mean, we know what a bad, I mean, most people who are watching a poker vlog on YouTube on their spare time, they know that if you get the money in good and you get sucked out on, I mean, you're just going to lose. I mean, oh, yeah. Sometimes you lose. Like Jonathan Little says all the time. I mean, you can get all the money in good, and if you lose, just it's fine. You know? No, trust me. Me and you are learning that the hard way. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm not sure if I'm getting it in good. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler's like, you're giving me way too much credit <laughs> yeah i got it all in when he had quads <laughs> i was like i just told i figure i'm good if i got outs <laughs> guess what my quad outs not even good so <laughs> yeah that's uh so yeah i don't know I, but I, I will say well okay like then i'll give you i'll go i can see that point that if they're not saying that then that's fair but i do appreciate the ones who really do seem to give the most i guess biographical of what their journey because i mean next gen i really have to feel because i mean they look like bad on a lot of their hands so i mean but i kind of enjoy the fact that you know they're they don't... include the hands that they play misplay that's what yeah. you're saying they don't just show the highlights well in all honesty i kind of enjoy going over the hands that i lose uh as much as I do the wins, because a lot of the ones I lose, you can learn from a lot more than me flopping top pair and getting three streets of thin value on. It's uh, I mean, me, um, me well, donking off aces. That's that's. Don't learn from that. Don't yeah, do that. yeah. Now you know. To, now you know not to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess on that note, this will conclude episode forty-five of the Texas Poker Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week.